welcome home. Uh, <laughs> there's a pastor friend of mine that says, we hope we treat you in so many different ways, you have to like one of them. So um, if you guys see uh, someone you don't know today, make them feel welcome before they leave. Um, we're going to continue and jump in. I want to thank uh, Pastor Ted and, and, and everyone for giving me some time last week as we dealt with the death in my family. And uh, I, I love the fact that I know I can leave and never worry about this place continuing. And you know, you don't know how, you don't know how comforting that is to a pastor to not have to sit and worry if the church is still going okay. Uh, praise team just kicked it and went on with it last week, and I'm just thank thank you to all of you all for allowing me that time uh, to go. We're going to jump right into this. We've been looking at a series called Light for the Journey, it, and, it, and it's using or navigating life's path with God's Word. And what basically it, it's been is understanding the importance of the Bible in our life. Um, I believe, Marcy, am I up on uh, version? All right. Uh, the notes are up on the version. If you use the version Bible app, all the notes are up there and all the scriptures if you want to go back and look at it later. Here's a question. Am I ringing? I got a big enough voice. Am I, is this thing real loud to you all? It's real loud. Matt, Reese, do something about it. Matt's having to run the live stream sound and the house sound, so he's, uh, he's, we're with double duty in him today. Um, people always say you can't trust everything you read. And I'm like, well, but we do all the time. Uh, we asked this question in a deep dives a couple weeks ago. Who was the first president of the United States? So, oh, come on. I'm glad you guys didn't go to school around here. Now let's try this again. Who's the first president? How do you know that? Because somebody told you out of a what? Book. Somebody told you out of a book. Isn't it funny how the church has more faith sometimes in a natural book than they do in the very Word of God? And the thing about it is, is the skepticism that I still see in the Christian community and how many people look at the Scriptures and they look at them, Dave, and, the, and their doubt, their relevance. They doubt their power, especially in, in, a, in the world we live in. So is this thing still really relevant in, in, in our society today? And, and they question the existence of miracles and signs and wonders. Because, man, when you read the Bible, it's got some wild stuff in it. I mean, you read some of the things that happened where donkeys started talking to people. It's in there. <laughs> you, 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 we read these things and we begin to say, man, I don't know if all that stuff's real. You know what I found out? I had to learn to believe a long time ago that some things are real whether I've seen them or not. They tell me piranhas are real, but I've never seen one. They tell me the Amazon force is real, but I've never seen it. So does that mean I doubt its existence? Why do we look at, why do 
believers. Christian people look at the Word of God and wonder the same thing. And then we, when we do see, we say, well, that was ancient history. All that was for uh, when the apostles walked the earth. And Now that the church is established, we don't need all of that anymore. We don't need donkeys to talk anymore. Some people need donkeys to talk to them, let me tell you. Uh, <laughs> uh, but what, let's ponder the question. What would happen if we wholeheartedly embraced the Bible as the truth? What if we just dared for a while to say that the Bible means what it says and says what it means? That, that what he wrote in the Word is true and we'll just learn to accept it. Well, I don't know if I can do that. Here's the danger in that. Go to John chapter 1. John chapter 1 says, In the beginning was the what? And the Word was with God, and the Word So when we're reading the Word, what are we actually looking at? In the beginning was the Word. Well, I just don't know if I can believe everything that's in that. So what you really say is, I don't know if I can really believe everything God says. I don't know if I can really believe God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Verse 2. There's a whole lot just in one verse there, Greg. He said, He was. So what's that tell us about the Word? He. It's a person. It's a person. He was there in the beginning with God. All things were created through Him. Him. So we're not just talking about pay, uh, 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 ink on a page here. We're talking about somebody we can actually have a relationship with. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And He was there in the beginning with God. And all things are created through Him, and without Him, nothing was created that was created. Verse 4, in Him was life. And the life was the light of mankind. Go to verse 14. Listen, you say, well, man, you're making me feel kind of, kind of uh, uneasy about not reading the Bible. Good. <laughs> you ain't supposed to make me feel bad. Yeah, we are. You should feel uncomfortable. Because by ignoring the Word in your life, you're ignoring God Himself. Oh, I'm not now. Now again, I said it last week. We're not taken away from our one-on-one Holy Ghost relationship. It, this does not take place of the revelation of Jesus in our life. But nor does uh, 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 the presence of the Holy Spirit in our life do away with the relevance of this word in our life. Now look what he says in verse 14. And the Word became flesh. We gave him a name, Yeshua. English calls him Jesus. And it, he, the word, became flesh and dwelt among us, and we saw his glory, the glory as the only Son of the Father, full of grace and truth. Folks, Jesus 
is the Word. And every time you and I sit down to do a two-minute Bible study, that's two minutes you're spending with Jesus. Personally, He is the Word. You mean this book is Jesus? No, this book is pages and ink. When it becomes the Word of God is when it begins to come off your lips. And when you put it inside of you. Right now, here, here's the thing. I could take Ted's Bible, because he likes using paper Bibles. <laughs> I could take Pastor Ted's Bible, and he would, I, I could make him really mad at me. If I just grabbed a page right here, and I gave it just a, you know I'm not going to, right? <laughs> and I gave it a little tug. And here's what we do. Ah! Don't tear up the Bible. We see people in protest stand up and just rip pages out of that thing. Do you know that doesn't bother me a bit? They're just tearing up a book. They're just tearing up ink on page. What happens when I get a hold of that filled with the Spirit, and I begin to take that with God on the inside of me, that ink and that page begins to change. It begins to become Jesus to me. It begins to come Jesus in me. Every, in the hands of anybody else, that's just a book. But in your hands... In your hands, it's God himself speaking. In your hands, it's heaven itself whispering to you. Folks, we've got to learn where the priority lies. is not in the physicality of a book, but in the relationship of the person. And when we refer to what the Word says, we're referring to Jesus. And when we quote the Word, we're quoting Jesus. And when we Trust the Word. You're trusting Jesus. How do we do that? Because we have to realize, not that piece of ink and paper, okay? But the, what contains in it. If I stood up here and tore up a Bible, y'all would freak out today. You would. Because we put more confidence in ink on page <laughs> rather than we put the confidence in what it says we've held this physical thing as holy and not what it contains as holy and so what happens is we often fall into worshiping this instead of worshiping who it is are y'all you, with me I, I mean this is important to you this is important to you <laughs> Here's the thing you have to remember. God and His Word are inseparable. And for someone, including myself, to say, I can't believe everything about the Word is for me to say, I can't believe everything about God. We already saw Jesus is the Word. Go, if you will, to Hebrews chapter 4. We've looked at this verse we're going to do one more week next week on this. But we've looked at this verse. He says, for the word of God is what? Maybe we need to think of that. The word of God is alive. The word of God is alive. 
What else is it? An active and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of, of the soul and the spirit, of the joints and the marrow, and able to judge the words you hold. When you begin to read it, it is able to judge the thoughts and intents of your heart. You say, man, I don't, I've never seen this about the word good. We need to think about it different. We need to think about it different. You know, he says that that word that you read is alive, it's active, it's sharper than any two-edged sword, and it's able to pierce between the joints and the marrow, the soul and the spirit, and the thoughts of your mind and the intents of your heart. In other words, that word sits in judgment of all of us. I know we don't like to hear judgment word anymore either. But that word sits in judgment. Go to Matthew chapter 4. Let's look at verse 12. Matthew 4. No, no, I'm sorry. Not Matthew 4, 12. Let me read Hebrews 4, 12 again. I'll get to Matthew later maybe. I want to read this out of the Amplified Version. The Amplified Classic says it this way. Same verse. For the word of God... For the word that God speaks is alive and full of power, making it active, operative, operative, energizing, and effective. It is sharper than any two-edged sword, penetrating to the dividing line of the breath of the life soul and the immortal spirit of the joints and the marrow of the deepest parts of our nature, exposing and sifting and analyzing and judging the very thoughts and purposes of our hearts. Well, I don't really know where I stand. You, we can pretty much know where we stand on things because when we pick up the Word and begin to read it, and all of a sudden it says something that I don't agree with, oh, wait a minute. <laughs> I'm telling you, you'll find out when you pick it up. Not everything you thought was good was good. Come on. Thank you, John. <laughs> but God and his word are inseparable. Why? Because he is the word. Colossians chapter 3, verse 16. Colossians 3, 16. He says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. In all wisdom. Am I preaching so bad? I just heard a cricket. <laughs> <laughs> Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Let the word of Christ, what? Dwell in you, how? Richly. How is, what the, the word dwell in there, it's a single word. In, in this particular use here of the word, it's only used in a spiritual sense. When that word is there, dwell in, in the original language, it was only used in a spiritual sense. So this does not dwell in your mind. Because I know a lot of people who know a lot of word. They could outquote me and, and Pastor Ted put together. I know a lot of people know a lot of word, but that's not where it dwells. 
And I love that, that part there. In that sense, it's only a spiritual dwelling. It only lives in your spirit. So it changes you. It molds you. It means to inhabit. So where should the word inhabit? Your spirit. Well, I don't know all the, uh, you know, people feel bad about this all the time. I don't know how many people come to me. Well, I feel bad because I can't quote the scripture. You don't have to quote the scripture. You don't have to quote it to know the God of it and know the meaning of it and have him reveal who it dwells in your spirit. Go to John chapter 15. We're going to move a little fast this morning. John chapter 15, what are we at? Verse 7. He says, if you remain in me and my word remains in you, you will ask whatever you desire and it shall be done for you. If you remain in me, King James Version says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you. But that word abide, is, it actually means to remain. As one, not to become another or different. So you know what he's saying here? If my word becomes one with you, if my word is not saying something different than you, oh, catch this over here. <laughs> Try it again. If my word is not saying something different than you, then you can ask whatever you will, and it will be done for you. Isn't that what he said? But if I am saying something different than what the word is saying, I don't have a right to ask what I will and expect God, genie in the bottle, to pop up and give me what I need. He said when the, your words and his word are the same, when it's dwelling in you, when it's one with you. Folks, you have to, and the only way we can get one with the word is to get one with Jesus. Is to know him deeper. To know who he is and what he is. Well, how do I get to know who Jesus is? Get in the Word. That's what he gave you a Bible for. But it's so boring. I can't understand it. Thee, thou, thus. Why did that go through my head? Um, then find one that works for you. Now, be careful. Some are paraphrases. I love the message, but it's a paraphrase, and that doesn't always come out with the same meaning. And I will quote the message, but it's got to become one with you. You can't be saying one thing and the Word saying something else and expect that you can ask anything of the Father. But he says when it's one, when you and the Word are no different, and you're saying what the Word's saying. See, Christ and His Word are one. And it's the word dwelling in you is the equivalent of Christ personally being in you. E.W. E. Kenyon said it this way. Christ and the word are one. It is the word dwelling in you which is equivalent to Christ personally being in you. The word dominating is the lordship of Christ in you. The word dominating is the lordship of Christ in you. Well, I don't ever, 
I don't ever pick up the Bible except when I'm in trouble. And then, you know what we do? We, 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 we pick it up and we go, okay, God, I need a word for you. You know what they called this in Jesus' time? Casting lots. Rolling dice. Jesus, I need a word. Okay. Yeah, yeah, you'll come across. And Judas hung himself. Or Job was stricken with boils. You can't go at the word just whatever like that. Sit down. Make it part of your daily life to have study time in the Word. John done a great job at our men's breakfast yesterday uh, uh, when he, uh, but he told a story. You didn't know I was going to steal your story, did you? Uh, he told the story. He, he read Philemon, and he said, okay, Lord, now what? And the Lord said, read it again. Okay. And he read it and said, okay, Lord. Then he said, read it again. See, what was God doing? Sometimes you have to spend time. Dee and I didn't get to know each other the first time we met. In a loan officer's office at a bank. We didn't get to know each other. But what happened is once we finally went out, we went out every day until we married. We spoke and we talked face-to-face -face every day. You know what happened in that time, Brenda? I got to know her. That's all God was doing with John. Read it again because I want to show you me in here. And all of a sudden, John, that light bulb came on, didn't it? You saw God. You saw what he wanted to, you to teach us old guys. You saw what he wanted to use in you to get through to us. What was he doing? He's revealed himself to you. And now that is something that will never come out of you. No matter what you do with it. If you never read the book of Philemon again a day in your life, you will not forget the lesson in that. Why? Because God showed. Folks, be strategic with the word. Don't just flop it down, open it up, say, okay, God, give me a word. Because there's some funny words in there. But be strategic. Why? Because you're actually bringing God into your life. Now, is that the only way God gets into your life? I didn't say that. But see, people who don't like reading their Bible or think they've grown spiritually beyond it, they say, well, I don't need the Word. I get, my, I get, I get everything I need from this author, that author, this praise song, that praise song. It's not the Word. It's not the Word. Well, Pastor, you know, yes, I'm trying to tell you, read your Bible. But it's not good enough, Stanley, to just read it. Like we started out today, you're going to have to learn to trust it. Because that's the hard part. How do I trust that this is making God real and that it's bringing him into me 
And he's showing me more of him. But what can I trust it for? Well, I just need, I want to be more like Jesus. Okay. Jesus was the word, so that tells you one thing. Getting the word. But you've got to understand that the word changes you. Go to James chapter 1. Look at James chapter 1 verse 18. He said, of his own will, he brought us forth with the word of truth. That we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. What did he bring us forth with, Zach? The word. The word of truth. Do you know what that word brought forth? <laughs> he brought us forth means, it means to give birth to. It means to give birth. Of his will, he gave birth to us, a spiritual being, by the word of his truth. So what do you need to understand is that this word causes you to become more like Jesus. And if you never pick it up, Becky, what can I expect? If I don't look at him and I don't receive him and I don't learn to trust him. So by his own will, he gave birth to us through the word of truth that we would be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. First Peter chapter 1. First Peter chapter 1. And if you don't like turning the pages, now you know why there's you version. <laughs> 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 23. For you have been born again, not from perishable seed, but imperishable. How have I been born again, Bob? Through the Word of God. Now, we know Jesus was that Word. But what does this Word do? It causes us to change. Look, he says, and we were brought, born again, not with perishable seed, but imperishable through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. The word is alive. And it actually brought new life, new birth to you, if you trust it. It's the redemption from sin. It's the story. From Genesis to Revelation is the story of our salvation, of what it means. But if we don't read it. Well, what else can I trust the Word for? You can trust it. Zach's a pretty big guy. He likes to work out every now and then. I, uh, from what I heard, there's a few ladies in here that meet and work out. And somebody told me, well, Emily's killing me, so... I don't know if they've been back or not. I ain't talking about nobody. Um, <laughs> Emily's killing me. But we want to be stronger. As believers, don't we want to be a, a, a good, strong Christian? We talk about this stuff all the time. And what do we think? We think praying in other tongues makes me stronger. Well, it does. It builds your faith. Jude told us that build up your most holy faith by praying in the Holy Ghost. But if you want to actually strengthen yourself, go to Acts 20, verse 32. Acts 20, 32. You got to learn to trust this word. Acts 20, 32. He said, now, brothers, I commend you to God and to the what? He said, I'm turning you over to God and his word. I commend you to the word, to God and to the word of his grace. 
which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among all who are sanctified. The word actually builds you up. You, uh, this is going to get people upset. You cannot, I don't care how many hands you lay on people and see them healed. I don't care if you can pray in tongues till your face is blue. I don't care if you dance. I don't care if you shout. I don't care if you sing. None of that is a proof of your strength. You know what builds you up? The Word. He said, I give you, I commend you to the Word of grace, which is able to build you up. The Word builds us. It's the ability to become more like Christ and less controlled by the desires that are completely contrary to God's Word. It's the dominating word in every believer that should cause them to grow spiritually. Oh, but yeah, man, they prophesied for an hour. Doesn't mean they're a strong believer. See, we're people that like shows. We like shows. And since somebody can stand up here and prophesy for an hour and we think, man, that's got to be the strongest Christian I have ever seen. And then you get somebody who will prophesy two words to you, and you're like, what's that? But all of a sudden, those two words changed your life, while this other, you're thinking, well, you prophesied, why hasn't it happened yet? I wonder if we would get people who are more into the Word, and we're not judging them by their spiritual show, but we're judging them by the Bible, no. Come on. We understand that what's in here. See, we've got a bad idea how we judge what is a super Christian. <laughs> we build up spiritual things, but it doesn't take the place of God's Word in you. E.W. Kenyon said this, God is building himself into us. Making himself a part of us as the word dominates, rules, and satisfies our spirit nature. <laughs> what builds us, Stanley, is the word. Everybody okay? I know I'm, I'm teaching. You're like preaching. Because here's what's happening. I'm not out there. You are. I, I'm, I'm not go I am not going to Speedway with you today. I promise I'm not. I'm going to get my little truck. I'm going to take me and my family. We're going to go get something lunch. You need to go to Speedway. God bless you. But what happens when somebody needs healed at Speedway? And you're not sure whether God's word promises to heal them or not. You know what you'll do? Well, come and let me get, go to my church. Go to my church. This, this is just a building, folks. Nothing magical in here either. You know where it lies? It lies in believers like you. 
but you don't know the word, you'll find yourself not strong enough, and then we become intimidated by sickness and disease. We become intimidated by demonic manifestations on the street. We become intimidated by these things because we've not let the word build us up. Oh. So quit looking for me to do it. Quit looking for Zach to do it. Come on. Thank you, Zach. It's you. And it's the Word in you. I, I want to read what Kenyon said there again. If you've never read after E.W. Kenyon, read it. He's a good free will Baptist guy. Yes, that's what I said. For the free will Baptists that watch me, look up E.W. Kenyon. Y'all don't understand, there's a whole lot of free will Baptists that watch me. It's what I grew up. <laughs> Galen, quit laughing at me. Look what he said here. He said, God is building himself into us, making himself a part of us as the word dominates, rules, and it satisfies our spirit nature. 2 Timothy chapter 3, we're almost there. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. All Scripture, everybody say all, even the tough stuff. All Scripture is inspired by God. That word inspired means God breathed it out. Is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete. Thoroughly equipped for every good work. That the man of God may be what? Complete. You know what that word complete means? It means full grown. Wait a minute. All scripture, so he's talking about scripture. And when he goes to righteousness, that's a comma, right? Do I got any teachers in here this morning? What's a comma? Here, you taught English. What's a comma mean? There's more to come. All Scripture was inspired by God. Why? That the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. It means full grown. You want to know? You want to? <laughs> Stanley, I'll look at you for this. Um, you want to know spiritual babies? The ones that don't want to look at the Word. I have to look right at another Rhema person here. Uh, it's somebody that don't want to read the Word. But they can prophesy. Now, I'm not downplaying that they, don't, that they hear God. I'm not saying that they, they're not listening to God. I'm not saying that their prophecies may not be 100% right on. But I'm telling you, they're not mature. And that's what the Word says. He said that the, that the man of God may be complete, full-grown, mature, completely qualified. Maybe, you, mean, you, mean, you mean if I'm not part, got the word in me, I'm not fully qualified? I didn't say that. <laughs> One in which all parts are complete or whole and what they are supposed to be. So that they might serve 
their destined purpose. That's what that word complete means. And without the word, I'm not complete. Ruth, I'm not complete without the word. He said that the man of God may, and he said thoroughly equipped. It means to furnish perfectly, to finish, to accomplish, to be fully equipped. In this case, that word means like a teacher. So where does God want you to get? Like a teacher. Why? Because you need to be built up because there's new believers coming. And as the new believers coming, guess what? I can't talk to them all. I can't touch them all. I can't disciple them all. I'm one man. But man, if I got teachers who are founded on the Word and understand the importance of the Word, I can say, oh, I got a new believer. John, take this person and teach them the importance of the Word of God in their life. And he said, how am I going to do it? I'll give you my notes. You can, you can go with my stuff. <laughs> but you've got to know the Word. He wants you to be a teacher. He wants you. This is, fully, this is full grown. We don't get just big fat Christians so we can just die and go to heaven. Hebrews chapter 5. You have a job to do. Complete. Fulfill your destined. Hebrews chapter 5 verse 12. For though by now you should be teachers. Uh oh, here's some correction coming to the Hebrew folks. These are the folks living in Rome. The Hebrews living in Rome. He says that by now you should be teachers. You need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. And have come to need milk rather than solid food. What does that tell you they are? Babies. But solid food belongs to those who are mature. I want to know the deep things of God. You can't know the deep things of God if you won't get into the Word of God. Come on. He said, but solid food belongs to mature for those who through practice have powers of discernment that are trained to distinguish good from evil. <laughs> Last scripture, maybe. <laughs> We're built up by the word. We grow up by the word. We're cleansed by the word. You ever, you ever found yourself being more human than you wanted to be? <laughs> And, and, and how dirty that feels sometimes. Look what he says in John 17, 17. He says, sanctify yourself. Sanctify them by your truth. God's saying sanctified. That word sanctified means set apart. It means cleansed. He said, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. Now, let, 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 let me tell you something. Jesus was all the sanctification we ever needed. He did it. But I still live in this thing that likes to do what is wrong. <laughs> I still... Okay, let me try this over here. These guys are holy, I guess. I still like to sin sometimes. Well, we don't like to sin. Yeah, we do because the word says there's pleasure in sin. <laughs> 
That don't mean you're going out intentionally doing it. But when I find myself just being tempted with the stupidest thing, the things I've tried to get over time and time and time again, and I can't get past it, and I just think, well, the devil's made me do it. No, you're doing what you want to do. He has no power over you. God forbid we take personal responsibility, right? Are y'all okay? (laughs) And when I find myself and I think, I'm just, man, I just feel, ugh. He says, sanctify them. Set them apart. Make them clean by your truth. Your word. The word sanctifies me. Is truth. Psalms 119 verse 9. We're almost there. I lied. That wasn't the last scripture. <laughs> See? <laughs> Just do it. Don't even think about it. How shall a young man keep his way pure? By keeping it according to your word. Psalm 119, verse 9. Zach, how shall a young man keep his way pure? By keeping it according to your word. The word will keep you pure. He goes on and says, with my whole heart, I seek you. I do not allow, do not allow me to wander from your commandments. Your word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin. Friends, the word keeps us from sinning. And when I find myself falling into the same muck, maybe I need to look, how much word am I putting in me? How much word's really going on in my life? Twelve. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. With my lips I declare all the decrees of your mouth. I rejoice in the way of your testimonies as much as in all riches. I will meditate on your precepts and keep my eyes on your ways. I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. Go to James, and I'm going to pick this up next week. We're going to look at the mirror of the Word. He says in James chapter 1, verse 22, Be doers of the... Not the feelings. Trust me, if I did what I feel half the time, Adria, people wouldn't like me very much. Right, Kurt? Be doers of the Word. And not hearers only. So if I only listen today, if you only take what I say and you don't do it, and you don't run out and do the word, and you don't do what we're talking about, the word says here that you deceive yourself. Be doers of the word and not hearers only. Deceiving yourselves. So what's your challenge this week? Get in the word. Amen. Let's pray. (laughs) Thank you. Father, we thank you for today. Your word is powerful. Let it change us, mold us, and make us into more like you. Father, I thank you for our praise team. I thank you for those who are giving in offerings today. We just give you praise for it all. And the word changes us. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.